I knew my grandma was illiterate and lived in Ghana and literally was the poor of the poor. I knew that for my family to see me here, it was a, like their wildest imagination coming to fruition. And I didn't want to spoil that. But if I had someone who was my age, or I had a mentor, or I had a professor who I could actually talk to, and they don't see me as my grandma's fulfillment, I would have space to actually discuss what was going on. And so community really cannot be understated because sometimes it's just that space that you need when you are a woman, when you are a person of color, when you're underrepresented, that could be the choice between staying and doing something hard or leaving and quitting. Welcome to 99 Humans. My name is Jeff LaCosta, curious coach and Wall Street Journal bestselling author, striving to understand how little things generate big impact. And I'm Nadia Carta, tech executive and lifestyle coach with a mission to transform lives and corporations by kindling hearts to generate a zeal for life. Each week, we investigate stories about the human side of leadership to re-energize your spirit and help you become a stronger leader. Because the reality is that leadership is messy, goofy, challenging, but always human. Thanks for spending time with us today. Let's dive in. We have 30 minutes together. I want to be respectful of your time. And I typically ask my guests what's going on in their life and anything that they might be planning or preparing. And then we dive into stories and it's typically about around one story that was challenging and messy. This is a podcast about Mm. human leadership. And Mm. then we close with the last segment, which is what is a piece of advice and recommendation for our listeners? I love it. I'm so excited. Awesome. Podcast setup. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. Well, let's get going then. Do you pronounce your name Diana or Yamiche? Yamiche. Yes. Because, you know, I'm Italian and I'm a disaster with any pronunciation. So I typically ask. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, so what's going on with you right now in life? I know you have a zillion of businesses. So can you tell a little bit more for the people on 99 Humans? What are you up to these days? Yeah, so this has been a month of back-to-back conferences in May. It's conference season. We were just at Diversitech. We are going to Black Women Talk Tech Roadmap to Billions, and we're bringing about 30 fellows from Black Sisters in STEM with us. Then we're going to Render ATL, which is also one of the largest tech conferences for people of color in the U.S. And so it's really an exciting, fun a lot of networking, a lot of lack of sleep, and it's going to be a good time. Because, you know, at all these events where you really get to know people is all the side events and networking hours that 
never seem to end early. So that is currently what is going on. And then Mother's Day is also happening. So I came down, well, yes, down to some come visit my mom and just spend time with her. So that is what's happening in my life. But a lot of growth, a lot of success, a lot of progression. And I think progression is the key word because sometimes the milestones may not always come exactly how you want. But I think one thing that I'm learning is to be grateful for progress. Wow. Already right there in the first minute, such a juicy wisdom dropped with so much elegance. I love it. I love it. These conferences sounds incredible. Would you mind sharing what is your primary activity? Because I know, but I want people to hear from you because when I learned about Black Sis, it was absolutely incredible. And I'm very happy that you're here today because I want to give so much space to this project. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I should have, that's the first thing I should have said. Black Sisters in STEM, it is my baby. It is a reflection of me. It is an organization that is truly building a revolution. A revolution is one that changes both people and institutions simultaneously. And at Black Sisters in STEM, our goal is to train up the largest talent marketplace of Black women going into tech and business careers, and also train up universities, corporations, even the startup ecosystem to be more inclusive, to be more diverse, and to be more effective for Black women to even enter. Because so much of the studies and the thought leadership that has come out about the lack of representation of Black women in these spaces has almost been a hundred percent about social issues, mm-hmm. about microaggressions, about imposter syndrome, about things we can solve for. And so that is what we're doing at Black Sisters in STEM. We are global. We are in 33 countries worldwide. We have over 9,000 women in our community. Our Students have gone on to earn over $4 million in compensation packages after our training and our programs. And we are excited to really scale, impact more women, grow in our visibility and our partnerships, and really take over. This is incredible. I love what you're doing because I'm so passionate about programs that uplift women create space for women and give them a chance to truly reunite themselves with the inner powers that they've always had Mm. because society, it is what it is and often is very patriarchy led and white led and so many other words. It is often uphill. Mm. And even what you said about 9,000 people in the community, having a community that you can lean on to, it can Mm. act as a point of reference I think it's truly fantastic. And I love that you have all these metrics to track success. So (laughs) fabulous, fabulous. Human 99 Humans is a podcast about leadership, right? Human leadership, Mm. because we believe that leaders are not only the ones that we see in glossy papers and magazines, that they always have it well put together. Mm. When you see them on stage, everyone is fabulous. They prep and they do all that. But leadership is something also very messy, super Mm. challenging and goofy. 
And as you are into this world, driving this revolution, I love it how you said it and what a revolution. I can only assume, if not by certain, that you've been leading Mm. through a lot of challenges. Mm. And so I was wondering if you would feel like sharing how these challenges look like for you in your day, if there's one particular story that you would like to bring and we can dive in. Absolutely. I will actually talk about the Genesis story because much like other entrepreneurs, a business venture is really just a solution. And if there is a solution, that means there has to be a problem. Mm. And so most entrepreneurs are people who have just dedicated themselves to a problem. There's really not that much more that's fancy about it, but it's the ability to really care enough and be dedicated enough to the problem of others to create a solution, AKA a business that really solves that. And so for me, I am on a mission to build the largest talent marketplace of black women going into STEM careers. And it all started in my youth. I was a first generation, low income student. I felt like I had the weight of my family's future on my shoulders. And at the time, I believed that my only hope was to gain a six figure career upon getting and graduating from a four year university. And so when I had the opportunity to make this dream a reality, I went in with full force. I got accepted into the University of Virginia as a finance and math major, and I got a full ride scholarship from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and over $200,000 in scholarship. I was doing so well in my first year. I met with the deans. I was building relationships to the point where I even won the standout first year award for my class. And then second year came around and I really started to struggle. And my struggle was because I was alone. I did not see women who look like me. I didn't see people who look like me. I didn't see professors who look like me. I had no one in my family that I could lean onto. This was a career field that no one has trailblazed in yet. And so I literally went from being a star student to failing. And I soon dropped out. And luckily for me, though, there were a group of black women who I had met in my first year, who met me with all this vigor and excitement for this career in finance and in business. And they made sure I did not give up. Mm -hmm. They really lifted me up. Their support and their tenacity towards my dreams that I had given up on allowed me to earn prestigious internships and then ultimately land at Google. And then I realized that my story was an exception. 
Most of the black women in my class, the black women I had met at other universities, they didn't have these opportunities. And I did not want my story to be the exception. I continued to look and research into this. I came to see that almost 50% of black women who go into STEM-based majors from their freshman year drop out by their sophomore year. Yet, Black women statistically have the highest interest in STEM majors than any other group. Black women continue to struggle at every stage of the STEM pipeline. And I realized as I look back at my life and the life of other Black women I knew, and as I read this research, I realized it was not due to a lack of desire. It was not due to a lack of capacity. It was due to a lack of support. And I wanted to create an apparatus that would really clear the path for women who look like me. And I wanted to do it in a way that could scale support, scale community, scale resources and access to information Mm. so that when Black women want to manifest their career dreams in STEM, it will not be a hopeful or a wishful thing, but it could be something tangible. It could be something that they know and they have examples of. It could be something that they have a community that is standing beside them in. And that's really Black Sisters in STEM. Wow. There are so many things that you just said that I would like to, oh my God, oh, like we would need a podcast that is like two hours. And I'm a super visual person. And when you were talking, I was literally visualizing you in 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 college. And mm. when you spoke about your family and everything. The one, probably the way I would like to start is, I, I think it's so hard. Like when you're in college as a woman, but as an individual, you're really young. Mm. You, you are still developing as an adult and you are the output of a lot of experiences that your family have influenced. Yeah. And when, when you were saying, I felt all the weight of my family as a first generation, having the mm. chance to go to school and all that, I'm wondering in the second year, when these women started supporting you, how was this reconciling back to your family and were you open with your family about your struggles? How Mm -hmm. were you showing up even outside of school? Yeah, I was showing up with a mask. And I think that is one thing that studies and so many Ted talks and thought leaders have talked about when it comes to women. There's so much placed on us from a young age that a lot of times we learn how to show up for people in the ways that we know they need it and may not be what is actually true to our experience. And so I never talked to my family about struggles in UVA. I was the first to go to a university, a top 20 university. I had to be kind of the trophy 
that my family is touting around that look at our daughter. She's at University of Virginia and we're from New Jersey. So even the fact that I was out of state was a big deal. It was just such a big milestone and celebratory moment for them for me to tell them, hey, I'm really struggling in my classes. Hey, I don't feel like I can do this. I don't have support. I don't know what to do. I didn't think that would be the best decision. And so I just showed up with a mask on to show that, yes, I'm your daughter who's at UVA and I'm really making you so proud. And my grandma, who was illiterate, would be so excited to see her granddaughter at a top university in America. And that is really the facade that I kind of lived in. And so when I was talking about community before, I think that's why community is so important because sometimes you really don't want to show up fully and authentically with some people in your life. Not because they make you feel like that, but because I knew how much where I was and what I was doing meant for my family. I knew my grandma was illiterate and lived in Ghana and literally was the poor of the poor. I knew that for my family to see me here, it was a, like their wildest imagination coming to fruition. And I didn't want to spoil that. But if I had someone who was my age, or I had a mentor, or I had a professor who I could actually talk to, and they don't see me as my grandma's fulfillment, I would have space to actually discuss what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so community really cannot be understated because sometimes it's just that space that you need when you are a woman, when you are a person of color, when you're underrepresented, that could be the choice between staying and doing something hard or leaving mm -hmm. and quitting. And it's so beautiful what you just said is, so full of emotions and I hear it from your voice as if you were here with me in this room and I feel your passion mm -hmm. and all these women that are able to join your program are really lucky. Oh. I, I know you had part of your life in corporate. We, you and I spoke about this and how did you find the courage? Because I understand that you have this drive and you had this life experience but you could have also folded in a corporate career, make amazing money, have it all easy, and just making more of those six-figure salaries that you were talking about. Instead, you chose the difficult path mm. of being an entrepreneur and, as you say, provide a solution and, and follow this desire. So when did you hear the call that yeah. made you the courage to move? And which were the first steps that you took in, in, into landing that, what is now an amazing business? Thank you. So for me, I always try to make sure I paint it well because it wasn't this really courageous moment. It was actually a lot of fear and kind of like a forcing of destiny for me. I really believe that when you're called to something, People can say the universe, the world. I really believe God will kind of force you into it. 
because I was living my best life at Google. I loved Google. Still, arguably, for me, one of the best corporations you can work for in the world. I'm happy to always tout that. But I had, a like, when there's something that won't leave your mind, and this was it. It could like I was obsessed with trying to figure out how to do this, how to run this, how to scale this. I was so obsessed with actually bringing this into fruition that I one person spoke to me and she said, "It's actually more it's going to be more negative for you if you stay at Google than if you leave because your mind and your heart is already it has, it has already left Google. Oh, wow. So you are really there not giving your best, not giving your utmost. And that is going to show up in how you work and all the things. And you're going to regret not making this leap. When right now I have very little responsibility. I have no husband. I have no kids. I just have some siblings and a big family. But, you know, even that, how much time do they require of me? Not that much. So this is a time, if any, for me to really try to travel, to to really take all of those visions and dreams that I see in my head and tr- and put intention behind them and see what can happen. And so I I really felt like I was kind of I was kind of pushed into leaving and I was I it was time. And I'm so happy I made that choice because it is definitely indeed time. Wow. Well, I'm grateful that you did, and all of the women that are part of your community, they're grateful about that. When you look forward at all the magic that you are creating in this world, if you could wave a magic wand and make a wish for something to come your way, what that would be? That's good. I think for, actually, if I had a magic wand, I would wish that Black Sisters in STEM wouldn't need to be created. Because the very presence of our organization, again, speaks to a problem. But if there weren't systems of inequality and racism and sexism and colorism, and there really wasn't a need for Black sisters in STEM, that is the world I would want. I wouldn't want Black sisters in STEM just so I could say I'm a leader of something. I would rather focus on other potential businesses and solutions that didn't focus on the history of discrimination and leaving people behind. Well, my hope for that is that your business goes so well. There will be the point where you can close it. Yes. Mention is being accomplished and do magic in other fields. We yes. are definitely more than lucky. So, where can people find you? And actually, before where people find you, I always ask this question to our guest, which is, what is one word of advice or wisdom mm-hmm. that you would want to share to people listening to this episode today? Absolutely. I share this to my students all the time to the point where they can probably recite it in their sleep. But... 
I really believe that each person is on a journey that when they say yes to, the moment they say yes to a certain calling, business, product, service, whatever, someone else's moment was waiting on that yes. And if we could all be really intentional about looking at our lives and looking at even the pain and the triumphs of our lives and saying that this can be someone's moment. Me dropping out of my STEM major is now causing Black women to graduate from theirs. Me struggling to think that I could ever make it in STEM is now causing Black women to get multiple offers in this field where we're so underrepresented. That moment of saying, I'm going to use my pain and my success in a way that funnels a better future and a better path now is the moment for so many other Black women that half of them, more than half of them, I've never even met before. And so you are someone's moment. Never take that for granted. And even if it's just your children, I think my mom is a perfect example of that. She lived a typically regular life. She was an RN. She was a mom. But her life, her encouragement, her belief in her children to the point where we could not even choose to not believe in ourselves has already at ages of 26 and 28 created so many ripple effects of change. So just her moment being just for her children alone has changed so much. Ah, now I see why you want your students to recite. This This is really powerful. When is your book coming out, girl? I... This is going to be a podcast for sure, but more people needs to hear you and more space and more power to you. I hope you are thinking about writing a book because this is powerful stuff. Thank you. So where can people find you and connect with you? Yes, you can find me at Black Sisters in STEM. And then you can find my personal accounts at Yamiche, which is N-Y-A-M-E-K-Y-E. Wilson. And so that is where you can find me. If you still can't find me, you will find me on Black Sisters in STEM. They'll tag me somewhere. So <laughs> you we can- will tag you for sure, because this is an episode that we want as many people as possible to listen. I'm so grateful for you this Friday. I'm so happy I've met you a couple of weeks back in this happy yeah. hour with Kimberly and all of these very amazing women. Yeah. And Whatever I can do and whatever platform I can open up for you, I am definitely one of your allies. Oh, more magic and more powers to you. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for even seeing me at a random happy hour. This is truly what community is all about. Yes. I wish you a wonderful afternoon. Bye. Bye. Take care. And happy Mother's Day to your mom. Yes. Happy Mother's Day to you as well. (laughs)